Amen. Amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. Why don't you high five somebody as you do it? We're so glad that you're here today at Life City Church. As Pastor Shannon mentioned in that video, my name is Richard Jottis. I serve on staff at a church right here in Jacksonville, Florida. And um, let me just say this about Pastor Shannon and Jessica. I absolutely love them. They are tremendous pastors and tremendous people, and you have some of the finest. In fact, we met uh, a little over a year ago now, I believe, um, before Life City Church was planted. They had just moved to Jacksonville, and uh, I was with our lead pastor, Pastor Tim at Elevate Life Church, and we were uh, having lunch one day at Metro Diner and enjoying us some fried chicken. It's not the Holy Ghost anointed chicken of Chick-fil-A, but it is good uh, chicken. And we were sitting there and uh, we look over and Pastor Shannon and Jessica are sitting there with Life City shirts on. And I was like, we were like, what is that church? We've never heard of that church in Jacksonville. And uh, so we pulled out our cell phones and Googled them real fast and, uh, and looked it up and noticed that Pastor Shannon and Jessica were planting Life City Church. And so we were able to uh, just bless them that day and then enjoyed a conversation with them and really got to know them. Um, Pastor Shannon said that Pastor Tim was on a list of pastors that he was wanting to connect with. And so we we were able to connect with them several times over the past um, couple, uh, past couple of months, over the course of the next few months after that conversation, and uh, really just love Pastor Shannon and Jessica. And I was in uh, conversations with Pastor Tim multiple times when Pastor Tim, our lead pastor, Elevate, would say, uh, I just want to bless them. Like, whatever we can do for Life City Church and Pastor Shannon and Jessica, let's bless them and let's, uh, let's encourage them and be for them. And so we are for Life City Church. And Pastor Tim and Crystal send their greetings. I know he would love to be with you if he could as well. Um, but uh, you're stuck with me today. And so we're going to have a good time. Now, I grew up uh, Pentecostal, and so I'm going to need some people to uh, preach back to me. So you could say amen. You could say preach. You could say preach white boy. In fact, why don't we just practice right now? Why don't you say one of them on the count of three? One, two, three. Somebody's racist in the front row. Come on, preach white boy. I do want to introduce my family to you. Uh, I have two. I'm, I'm in this stage of life right now where I do not get a lot of sleep. In fact, can I grab that table? I'm going to grab this table if that's okay so I can put my iPad on it. I'm not running away, okay? Don't think I'm not, I'm not going to preach today. But... Um, I'm in the stage of life where um, I just, uh, I don't get a lot of sleep. I got, I got two, uh, two young boys. Uh, my wife, she would say that I get way more sleep than she does, which she is correct. Um, but I have two, uh, two boys that are two and under, and uh, they're two years old and, uh, and nine months old, nine months old. And uh, it's, a, it's an amazing season that we're in uh, right now. In fact, there's a picture of them. Aww. 
Yeah, Winston and Theodore. Come on, those are strong names right there. Winston and Theodore, and, uh, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a great season that we're in, and I have the best wife in the world, Stephanie, who's on the front row here. She's amazing. She keeps it all together, um, which we're, we're, we're talking about baby number three and, uh, and, and, and debating on it. So if you want to stretch your hands towards me and pray for me now, that would be great. If you have your Bibles, uh, if you could turn to John chapter 6 for me, John chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. I'm going to start there, and um, I believe that God is going to speak to us in a powerful way today. It says this, it says, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is the Sea of Tiberias. I love Tiberias. In fact, when we were discussing names for children. Uh, We had Winston, and I tried to squeeze Tiberius in there. In fact, I came with a great argument because the Sea of Tiberius, the name Tiberius, means good vision. And uh, you can see I'm wearing glasses, and my wife is very close to being legally blind. Uh, She is like negative 10 or something like that on the, on the, the, the scale with her eyes, she, which is extremely close to being legally blind. So I was like, babe, we can name our kids Winston and Tiberius. Good vision. We're just going to speak it over their lives. So maybe kid number three, you know, Tiberius. Next time I come visit, maybe it'd be Winston, Theodore, and Tiberius. Those are good names. It says, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick, which I think is significant, in fact, in this text, because there are oftentimes in our life in the beginning of stages of faith that we follow Jesus because of what he does for us. That there are oftentimes in our life that we feel like um, God's going to bless us or God's going to give us this job or this promotion or this thing. And so we follow God because of what he does for us. But there's a stage in our life that we have to move from believing that God is going to do something for us. It's not about what he does for us, but it's about who he is in our life. And that's what this text is. These people are transitioning there. It says a great crowd of people followed him because of all the miracles that he was doing. And it says, then Jesus went up to a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. And when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And he asked this only to test him. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. Don't you love when God does that to you? Like he already knows the answer, but he does something to test you. It allows us to grow in our faith. For he already had mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place 
and they sat down, about 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. For the next few moments today, I want to talk to you on the subject of participation awards. Participation awards. Let's pray together. God, we love you so much. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather into your presence together, God. I thank you for Life City Church. I thank you for Pastor Shannon and Jessica, God. I pray that you would just continue to bless them, that your hand would be on them, that they would continue to, uh, to just grow in you and grow this city for your kingdom, God. We pray, God, that you would bless our time together, and we pray that you would bless the Jacksonville Jaguars. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, they need all the prayers they can get, somebody. <laughs> Participation awards. Um, so here's the thing that you need to know. We don't really know each other that well, but I, um, I'm not a handyman. Like, I am the furthest thing from a handyman. I cannot do anything with tools. In fact, a couple of years ago, um, my wife and I, uh, our whole family, they're from, we're all from St. Louis, and our whole family came down to Disney World, and we spent Christmas at Disney, which is um, one of the most amazing things that we've ever done in our life. It's a, it's, it's a really cool experience. But we have Christmas Eve services at Elevate Life Church, and so at the end of Christmas Eve, every single year, what we would typically do is we would hop in the car, the car would be loaded with our bags and, uh, and luggage and just ready to go, gassed up, and right after services, we would actually drive all night to uh, St. Louis and get there for Christmas morning, surprising the family. We did that for a couple years. We'd get there about 9, 10 uh, in the morning, and, uh, and that was always a, a great experience. Um, but this, this particular year, our family decided, they said, you know what, we want to celebrate at Disney. So we, we were like, oh, yes, thank you, Jesus, because all we have to do is drive two and a half hours to Disney World. That's going to be a lot shorter trip. So we, we had the bags in the car ready to go, and we head on our way. And on our way, all of a sudden, I see the, um, the, little, the, the little tire pressure gauge just continue to go down on one of the tires, and I'm like, uh-oh, like, what's this about? So I was able to make it um, another 30 minutes, and all of a sudden, um, I was like, I gotta get off the road. It's going really, really low. I'm gonna put air in this tire. So I get off the road, put air in the tire, uh, and then I, I head, we, we make our way uh, again to, to Disney. And so we're driving, and all of a sudden, um, probably about 45 minutes, an hour out of Disney, all of a sudden, the tire just gives, just pops. And I'm like, I'm super embarrassed at this point because I've never changed a tire in my life. You know, I'm a grown, I'm a grown adult, and grown man, uh, man card gone. Uh, I got my wife in the car, and I'm like praying. I'm like praying in my prayer language, language, you know, like just, just going to town. And so I, uh, 
I get, we, 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 we get to a gas station and I get out. I'm like trying to figure out where the spare tire is. And so I finally find the spare tire and I, I open it up and I'm like, get it out. Now I'm just like for 10 minutes, I'm just staring, like praying, like, God, can you like perform a miracle right now? Like, I need you to place this tire on the car. And so I like, I don't have a jack. I don't have anything. And all of a sudden uh, a car pulls up behind me and, uh, this is a true story. My wife can attest to this, but um, the, I was like, yes, like somebody saw me struggling and it's come to help me change my tire. And all of a sudden the window rolls down in Florida, you got tinted windows, you know, so you won't really know who's in the car. The window rolls down and it is a female. And she's like, yeah, are you having a hard time? I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, I kind of am. And so uh, I was like, I think I'm missing something to, to, to get this tire off. It's, she looks in her car and she has it and, uh, and she hands it to me and I'm like, what do I do with it <laughs> kind of thing? And so, um, so, so I'm staring at it and she's like, do, do you want me to, to help? And so right there on our way to Disney, my first time learning how to change a, a tire was from a female. So... Girl power in the house, huh? Super embarrassing for me. But we got it done. So I'm not a handyman at all, but one of the things that I've enjoyed in life that I am actually decent at, I wouldn't say that I'm really good at it, is that um, sports. I played sports my entire life, and so I might not be handy, but I, I am a man. I do play sports. I know females play sports too, but... Um, I am. I I I, I enjoy. Um, I enjoy sports quite a bit. I, I'll watch. You know, any chance I get. But I grew up playing uh, basketball, and nowadays, um, I just I have to vent to you a little bit because there's there's something I notice that is going on in our culture today uh, with sports is this thing called participation awards, and. Uh, and when I was a kid, when there was winners and losers, right? When I was a kid, you, um, you celebrated the winners and then you let the losers cry a little, you know? And uh, there was just something about it because there was a lot of times in my life growing up that there were winners and losers and it taught me some things in life because how many of you know that there's gonna be some moments in your life that you lose, there are some situations in your life that don't go the way that you want it. And, and for sports, it taught me that a little bit. But now, nowadays, we want to just give out participation awards to everybody. It's like the moms get participation awards. So you didn't do anything. You just got your kids here. But, uh, but, but everybody wants to get participation awards. And I, I played basketball, and um, I was... Um, I really enjoyed basketball when I, I was a kid. I went to a, a school where um, they gave scholarships out in, in, in private school to, uh, to athletes and basketball players. And, uh, and so I played, uh, when I was in seventh grade, I played varsity basketball. And um, that's when you're supposed to go, oh, wow, you were good. That was my, like my little hint to you. <laughs> but... Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I'll never forget this one particular time when I was in seventh grade playing varsity. Uh, I didn't get into a lot of games, uh, but I'll, I'll never forget 
this moment in my life when we were blowing out this team. It was a huge lead. And, uh, and all of a sudden, the coach looked down to the bench and said, Vanilla G. That was my nickname. My nickname was Vanilla G. There was this point guard. He was short. He was, um, he was short a lot like me. I was short at the time. I was probably four foot 11, five foot with basketball shoes on, 80 pounds soaking wet. And, uh, and this point guard was, uh, he was just amazing. He was this little guy, but he was just phenomenal. And his name was Marco Gallard. And he was black and I'm white. And so they called me Vanilla G after Marco Gallard. And so they said, coach said, Vanilla G, come here. He's like, I need you to go get Gallard. And so I go into the game and I'll never forget this game. Um, we, were, we were just smoking this team and I, I got in, I was playing defense and one of the gifts that I had was that I could get really low to the ground because I was small. And so they're dribbling the basketball down the court. I'm defending our goal. I'm playing zone defense and I'm at, about at the free throw line and this guy, six foot four, 220 pounds, comes driving down the lane. He's just massive, you know, I'm like staring at Goliath here. And I just, I, all of a sudden, as he's dribbling down the court, I grab the basketball real low and I take off the other direction and I score a layup and the crowd went wild. The crowd went wild. <laughs> I knew you had it in you. The crowd went wild. It was, it was amazing. It was a moment that I'll never forget. And what I loved about that is because that moment that I got into the game was the moment I began to take things more seriously. It changed my expectation. What I've realized in life is that participation increases my level of expectation. Participation increases my level of expectation. I, I took practice more seriously. I took everything that I began to do on the basketball team more seriously because the moment I got into the game was a moment of, 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 of confidence for me. And some of us in life, the reality is, is that we need to get into the game. We need to be participants. We need to be participants in our marriage, in our careers, in our kids' lives, in different areas of our life, because if you participate, it will increase the level of expectation in your life. Right now, there's a lot of us, if we're being honest with ourselves, with low expectations. We have low expectations, and we're walking through life with low expectations, not expecting anything not expecting God to show up in our, in our marriage, in our families, because we're not in the game. Participation increases our level of expectation. In fact, we see this in the story, in the story in John chapter 6. We see this, this boy who is um, really, it, it's an interesting story because you wouldn't, the disciples, they were, they didn't prepare for this moment. They didn't come ready for this moment. And all of a sudden, a boy shows up with five loaves and two fish. I think there's, there's something that we can learn from the way that they participated in this story to, to, to what we can gather and learn from in our life today. And the first thing, I believe there's three things in particular. The first thing that we can learn in the story is to lean in. 
is to lean in. In fact, in John chapter six, it says this, it says, sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. This is an interesting story because it's actually the only story in all four Gospels that's recorded in, in every one of them, in every single Gospel. And God did some, Jesus did some amazing things in Scripture. He raised Lazarus from the dead. dead. He turned water into wine. He, did, uh, he, he healed lame men. He, they, they brought a guy on a stretcher. And out of all the miracles in the scripture, this is the only one that's recorded in all four gospels, which is interesting. And it's actually at a time when Jesus was, uh, had just learned that John the Baptist had, um, had been killed. In fact, uh, there's different accounts of the story in, in, in every single account since, it, since it's in all four Gospels. There's different versions of, um, of different perspectives or lenses in which the story is, is um, gathered, the information is gathered. And so um, in this particular story, it's interesting because Mark's account of the story, it actually tells us that John the Baptist had just been killed and, and Jesus is actually trying to get away from his disciples, with his disciples, away from the crowd. He's trying to get away from people. Like, you ever have those moments in your life that you just don't need to be around people? Like, you just have those moments where you're just like, I just need to, like, be by myself. And that's what Jesus was experiencing in this moment. Jesus was trying to to get away from the crowd, but the crowd was following him. And it's, it's what I find interesting about this is that oftentimes in the greatest, oftentimes the greatest opportunities will come at the most inconvenient times. The greatest opportunities in our life come at the most inconvenient times when we want to shut the door and when we want to turn away and when we don't want to see anybody. They didn't like... It wasn't that they didn't bring lunch for the crowd. They didn't bring lunch for themselves. They didn't have anything in this moment. And because of the crowd, because the crowd was gathering around, the, the, the miracle was in the middle of the inconvenience. And sometimes in life, what we need to realize is that even though we might be inconvenienced, even though we don't want to lean into certain situations. In fact, we want to lean back from them. We want to run from them. We, when circumstances and struggles arise in our life, we want to run from church, not to church. The greatest miracle is in the middle of the inconvenience. In fact, the provision that was provided in this situation came from the middle of the crowd. It came from the middle of the inconvenience. There are often times in our life that we need to realize that's in the inconvenience that God wants to show up in your life. So if you're struggling today and you feel like, how do I get out of this circumstance or this situation? I feel inconvenienced right now. I want to challenge you to lean into it, that maybe the miracle is in the middle of it. Maybe the miracle is in the middle of the struggle in your marriage. Maybe the miracle is in the middle of the bankruptcy. 
Maybe the miracle is in the middle of the situation at your job. Maybe God wants to use this moment as a test so that creates a testimony in your life. It's in the middle of the miracle because what I've come to find out is that faith isn't meant to be comfortable. Faith is meant to challenge you to to rise to a new level, to go to a new place. It's not meant to be a comfortable life. And sometimes we want to retreat. We want to go away because it's comfortable for us. But the reality is God wants to challenge you in the situation. You have to lean into it. Lean in. Come on, look to your neighbor and say, lean in. Lean in. Not only do you have to lean in, but you have to light up. Some of you are like, I like this church, light up. <laughs> Not that type of light up. <laughs> you, have to, you have to change your attitude. You have to change your attitude. And doesn't, in the story, it doesn't tell us what the boy's attitude was. It doesn't tell us that the boy was super excited. But, but I like to imply um, from this Scripture, and sometimes I like to look at it from a different perspective, my own perspective. And, 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 and I believe that the boy was excited in this moment. I believe that he was excited because he didn't run away in this moment and say, oh, look, I got food for myself. Like he lit up because of what was placed in his hands. And some of us need to change our attitude because I find out in life that your gratitude can change your attitude. When you have a spirit of thankfulness and, and you realize what God has placed in your hands, because what I've come to find out is I've realized as an adult, sometimes we have this misconception. We feel like that we have to do everything on our own. We feel like what's in our hands is ours. The reality is, is what's in your hands was never yours to begin with. And I think that sometimes in life, we we have a struggle with that. As kids, I'll never forget as a child, um, one of the things that I did as a kid, my mom would always make me lunch. In fact, I I brought a bag. Um, Pastor Tony, you got that? Yeah. My my, my, my mom would, would always look like this, a brown lunch bag. I, you know, I didn't have the cool lunch bags um, with like superheroes on it or anything like that. It was just a brown bag. Um, I, think, I think I thought it was cool because I thought maybe it like looked like it had some alcohol in it or something like that, you know, just joking. <laughs> Pastor Shannon's going to hear this and be like, he ain't ever come to our church again talking about alcohol in a brown bag. But... um. But I used to have a, a, a brown, I, my mom used to make me lunch and she would give it to me. And when she would give it to me, yes, it would be mine. But I realized when I was a kid that this was, I didn't actually provide this for myself. This was given to me. It was placed in my hand. And sometimes we transition from kids to adults and we begin to, we begin to purchase our own lunches. We begin to purchase our own things. In fact, um, my son, Winston, in just a couple of years, will go to school and I'll be giving him a bag. And I'll be providing for him. But the reality is, is that 
all along, I'm actually not the one that's been provided. I've been the one that's given, something's been given to. And when I'm a kid, I have no problem realizing that this is not my lunch bag. But for some reason, as an adult, I begin to think that this is mine. The reality is what's been placed in your hand was never yours to begin with. And so when I have an attitude of gratitude, I come to the Lord and I say, God, you can use whatever has been placed in my hand. And some of us, the reality is, is when we need to walk into the house of God. We need to walk into church and we need to say, God, I have open hands. Use whatever you've placed in my hand. That's why for some of you, you need to light up on December 8th at heart for the house that Pastor Shannon and Jessica have been pouring into this place. And you need to be praying and saying, God, I have resources in my hand. How do I allow you to use them? I don't, I don't want to look at it as a, a, something I have to do. I want to look at it as something I get to do because you've placed it in my hand. Some of us need to lean in and some of us need to light up. And the last thing I believe that some of us need to do is to look down. Look down. John 6, 3 and 5 says this. It says, then Jesus went up to a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, uh, you, you might think, oh man, you really screwed this one up because Why'd you say look down? It says that Jesus looks up. Well, I think Jesus looked, looked down because it, it was his vantage point. It was the perspective that he was looking at. Yes, he, he looks up, but he was still overseeing the crowd that was coming towards him. And the reality for some of us is that we need to change the perspective in which we're viewing things in our life. In fact, there's this um, psychological term. Um, there's this psychological term called, um, I just learned this a, a couple years ago, it's called bottom-up and top-down processing. And bottom-up processing is when I use all of my senses to gather information. And so I could sit here and I could say, this microphone is black. It's got this cool little black cover on it, which I really like. Um, it's got a light on it. It's got um, a, a, a tag that says one. It has all of this stuff. And I use my senses to gather information about this microphone. And then you have top-down processing. And top-down processing allows you to gather knowledge that you've been given and apply it to uh, what you're looking at. And so I can ask Sean here some information about this microphone or this TV or whatever it is, and he can give me some information, the dimensions of the television and uh, the specs of the microphone that I would not normally know. And I, I think it's significant because I think that's how the disciples were viewing the situation in the text. Check it out in the text. It says, Philip answered him, 
it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each, of, uh, for each one to have a bite. I, I believe Philip in this text was using bottom-up processing. He was using his senses and he was looking around. He's like, yeah, I, this doesn't make any sense. This situation does not make any sense. We don't have enough food to feed all these people. Look how many people there are. This is crazy. 5,000 men. Some believe that it was about 20,000 people altogether. There's no way we could feed 20,000 people. I mean, think about it. Imagine me in this situation trying to provide lunch for all of you from this bag. That'd be stupid. And Philip was, was using bottom-up processing. He was using the senses around him to say, this, this doesn't make any sense. But Andrew, I love this. It says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? I think Andrew was on to something. I think Andrew was using top-down processing. Because oftentimes we can look at our situation and we can look at our circumstances and we could say, this doesn't make any sense to me. If I use all of my senses, it, it seems like there's no way I could survive this. But Andrew saw it from a different perspective. Andrew, it wasn't so much what I didn't have or couldn't do. It was more so who I had. And for Andrew, he realized, no, 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 no. It might not make sense, Philip, but I realized that I have Jesus in this situation and that he can do a miracle that nobody else can do. And some of us, we look at the mountain that we're facing and we look up to the mountain and we're like, God, I don't know how you're going to do this in my finances. How am I going to bring something on December 8th? How can I sow into Life City Church? There's no way. Because I look at the mountain in front of me and I say, I, I don't have it. But then when I pray and I allow God to come into the situation and the circumstance, then I look at it from a different vantage point. And if I just look at it from heaven's perspective, then the mountain seems small. In fact, the same mountain you face in your life, I don't know if you've ever done that before, but I've, I've actually lived in um, Tennessee at one point, I went to college in Tennessee, and there's amazing, beautiful mountains. And oftentimes you go to the mountain, and, and we did this, uh, we would go um, rock climbing, or we would go uh, just hiking, or any of those things, and you go up to a mountain, and you look at it, and you're like, oh God, like how am I going to do it? Like I'm exhausted. God, like I need you in this moment. Because the mountain looks massive. But I don't know if you've ever flown over those same mountains. And when you get into an airplane and you fly over those mountains, those mountains look so tiny. I think that there are often times when we walk up to the mountain that we're facing and we see how massive and expansive and we feel like, God, I don't understand it. I'll never be able to get over that mountain. 
But if we just look at it from the perspective of God, then we see, see, realize that it's just a small mountain. It's just one mountain of many mountains that we might face in our life. But I realize that, God, you are so big. You are so good to me. And when I realize that, I, I come with a perspective knowing, God, if you move the last mountain, I know you can move this mountain. So when I walk into December 8th, I realize, God, I don't I might not understand it. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm going to trust you. God, just place it on my heart. Whatever you do, God, whatever you say, I'll do. Whatever you say, I'll do. We're going to stand all over this place today and we're going to sing in just a moment. But I want you to. I want you to ask yourself, how can I lean in? How can I light up? How can I look down on what God wants to do in my life? I believe that this is a crucial moment for Life City Church, that this is a moment of opportunity, that this is a moment that we don't just have to come to church, we get to come to church, and I want you to lean in in these moments. There are multiple ways that you can lean in and light up when you come here and change your perspective. I believe that one of the ways that you can do it is by participating in a city group. It's to get involved, to say, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a part of this thing. I'm gonna build relationships and community. I believe that there's another way that you could participate, and it's participating on a city team. It's to serve, to say, you know what, I'm not to just come and receive, but I'm gonna allow, I realize the grace that God has given me in my life. I realize the mountains that I've had to face in my life, and I wanna help somebody else get a different perspective and realize that the mountains that they're facing are only temporary, that God wants to do something. And so participate in a city team. Participate by bringing people to church. Participate by inviting, creating cultures of inviting. Saying, you know what, Pastor Shannon, I I believe in you. I believe in this thing. I'm going to share the good news of Jesus with everybody. I got any chance I get with an invite card or opportunity on Facebook to share or whatever it is, I'm going to share. I'm going to be all in. I'm going to bring people with me. And then I believe that you need to participate in this December 8th offering, the heart for the house offering. To say, Pastor, I'm all in. To say, Pastor, I, I want to be a part of this. I'm gonna, I believe that God wants to do some stuff in Life City Church, and I want to be a part of it. And as we sing this out, I just want you to lift your hands to Jesus and just ask Jesus, God, what would you have me to do? How can I lean in in these moments? How can I be a participant in this moment in Life City Church is history? And we're going to sing this out as we do today. Come on, it's so much better his way. Amen. Let's pray all over this place. God, we love you so much, Father. We are so grateful, God, to gather together and to be in your presence today. Father, I pray right now that this would be a moment that we would realize it's so much better your way, God. 
that this is a moment that we would lean in, God, that we would light up when we come to your house, God. We wouldn't run from it, God, but we would run to it, that we would change our perspective and our vantage point, God. I pray, Father, that we, be, we would be participants in your house in every way, God. And I pray right now if there's anybody in this place today that doesn't know you, that would start a relationship with you or maybe restart a relationship with you. And so if that's you and you say, you know what, I can't lean in, I can't light up, I can't look down because I don't even know if I believe yet. The first step is just praying a prayer. It's just saying yes to God's grace in your life. And I just wanna pray it. If, if you would, just pray it in your heart as I pray it out loud. God, we love you so much, Father. I just wanna start a relationship with you today. I realized that you gave your one and only son, Jesus Christ, so that I might have life and life more abundantly, that I can lean in, that I can light up, that I can be a participant in this good news that you've given us, God. And so today, I start a relationship with you. I confess my sins. I realize I'm not perfect, but I'm, I'm thankful that I serve a God who is perfect that sent his one and only son to die and cover every sin that I have in my life. And I step forward and I walk towards you today. And for the rest of us in this place, God, I pray that we would leave this place differently, God, that we would leave with a, a jump in our step, a pep in our step, God, that we would be excited that this would be a place, God, that we, would, we can't wait for Sunday to come, that we are excited to be in the house of God. I pray, God, on December 8th that you would show up and do what only you can do, God, that you would work a miracle through Life City Church and that you would perform miracles and that your name would receive the glory. That's not about the Life City church's name or Elevate Life Church's name or any other church in Jacksonville. It's about the name of Jesus that is higher than any other name, Father. And so we lift you up in this place and we give you all the glory for what you're going to do in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, Life City Church. Can we make some noise for Jesus in this place? Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We can't, I can't wait to see what God continues to do through Life City Church. I pray that this would be the best week of your life. Have a great week.